energized and ready to go out there and, and be successful in, in, the, in the business world and in the sales world. So um, without any further ado, I want to introduce our guest today. I've got Christy Jones jo- jo- joining us today. Christy, how are you? Good. I'm great. Thanks, Ronnell, for having me on. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. The last time I spoke to you, though, you had a much better view. Of <laughs> yes. Scottsdale versus St. Louis. There, There yeah. is a difference. There's a little bit of a difference from what difference. I hear. Yeah. No yeah, palm trees. Like, yep. No, no warm weather. No palm trees. No pool. I think there was a no pool in the background. Yep. No pool. Um, but you know. But I will say your background game. It is on point. It does look. You, you're, you're clearly very good at decorating your home. Thank you. No, actually, there. her name is Sonia. I'll give her full credit. <laughs> I have Shout no. Out to I Sonia. Have, yep. Thank you, Sonia, for making my Zoom room beautiful. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you giving her credit. But although you do get to take credit because you paid for it. So I like, did. Yes, I said. Yeah, I said I don't have creative ability, but I have a checkbook. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, hey, as we get into this, if, if you wouldn't mind just starting with telling us how you are impacting the world of sales and business, what is it that you do? Sure. Um, my swim lane and, and superpower is helping startup founders, usually with uh, revenue between, I say, zero and five. So really coming in and helping them build out the processes, everything from building out an outbound prospecting strategy to moving people through the funnel, um, customer success after that. So a lot of the tech founders that I work with are just that. They're coders, they're developers. They you know had a, an idea, they went and built a software product, but maybe they don't have a sales or marketing background. And so I have a, a strong relationship with a lot of VCs throughout the Midwest. And so a lot of times when they get that Series A funding, I get a phone call uh, saying, can I introduce you? So I call myself an extra set of expertise hands. Extra set of expertise hands. That's a mouthful. I love it. <laughs> well, I got well, Christieisms. That's Oh, you've got Chris. Okay, got we're going to get into you'll some hear, You'll probably hear a few Christieisms. I like that. All right. So um, let, let's, let's, let's. Let's take a step back before we get into our Christieisms. I want to know where it began for you. What was your very first sales gig? And I'm talking about, you know, sure, with a lot of us, hey, when we were kids, you know, there was something that we did that, you know, that kind of let us know that, hey, maybe the sales thing is something I could do. But when was the first job that you had? Someone gave you a check. What were you doing? Uh I think like all of us, uh, as a teenager, I was babysitting, but in fairness, like I love my own child, but I'm not super fond of maybe a lot of other people's children. So that really wasn't a long-term gig for me. Um, But the really first sales job that I think really does attribute to what I'm doing today, and I talk about it a lot, my favorite sales job was waiting tables. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved, so it fit my personality perfectly, right? Fast pace. I got to, you know, use a little sassiness, interact with, with the public. And the thing I loved most about it was I got instant feedback on my performance. So every time someone got up and the table was clean and my tip was left behind, I got feedback on how I had done. 
And so I think that's where I first started to realize that there are jobs with a set income and jobs where you set your own income. That's interesting. Um, so one of the things that was appealing to you is that you got that instant feedback. I, I find that that's something that so many of us struggle with in terms of wanting to receive and accept <laughs> that feedback. So were you just wired differently? Was it always okay? Did, were, you, were you good at receiving the critical feedback? Um, I mean, there may have been, there may have been feedback on the feedback, you know, in, the, you know, back in the kitchen after a not so great <laughs> tip was left. I mean, I, you know, um, but no, I think I'm super competitive. Right. And so waiting tables was competing with myself per se. Sometimes you competed with your coworkers. Um, but I, but I would go home every night and I kept all my, you know, take my heavy again, back in the day, run out smoke filled, um, apron home. And my dad was normally watching TV at the end of a shift. And so I would dump everything onto the, to the carpet in the family room as he's watching Dukes of Hazzard yeah. and we count it all up. Um, and we would, we would rate the night. Right. Um, and it was interesting as I, I started out in a really small, like kind of ice, ice cream sandwich parlor, um, waiting tables kind of during the day or during, you know, during the day, um, and the weekends, maybe some nights during school, but not very often. And then as I got older, I moved into, I, you know, I upgraded my restaurant to one that served alcohol. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, well, like this is a completely different game. This is a completely, you know, same percentage, right. Was being left behind, but the tab was, to was totally different. Mm -hmm. um, and then I say, I got my big break one night when one of my, one of the um, girls at the bar in the basement, the sports bar in the basement um, did not show up for work. Um, and the manager came to me and said, Hey, like, you know, I need someone to, to waitress in the basement. And I, and I wasn't even old enough to drink alcohol. I wouldn't even to drink beer. I grew up in Kansas. So, you know, we had three, two beer. I wouldn't even know enough to drink at that point. But I thought like I went downstairs and I felt so grown up. And not only that, I was like, this is mixing my two favorite things. I got people were going to pay me to watch sports and deliver <laughs> beer. I thought this was the best thing ever. And then at the end of the night, the apron was very, very heavy. And, nice. you know, that's when I started to realize that, again, just like, I, you know, I equate it very much to sales. And one of the things I think we'll end up talking about today, because it's a passion topic of mine, is that a lot of people pick the wrong sales job for them. And as a result, they don't own the income that they could own. They don't have the life that they could have. And so I think those were very um, distinctive lessons in my life that, you know, I finally got to where I was like, hey, you know, a, a waitress in the basement at the sports bar it's much more profitable than even waiting upstairs, waiting tables yeah. upstairs. So, you know, as I look at your, your background, you have a degree in journalism. <laughs> um, so talk to me about when you got into, you know, business sales and mm -hmm. why um, mm -hmm. you had a journalism degree. What, what is it that you set out to do and how did you want, how did you end up here? Yeah. Good question. Um, I had always, my writing skills had always been superior to other people. And I kind of had gravitated towards the social studies, English side of curriculum. Um, science and math just had never really worked out for me. Um, and so I kind of fell into something in school that I, that I really did. I kind of like picked something I thought I would enjoy doing. I didn't really know what I was going to do with it, but I got my degree in public relations. And so I really did think that was what I was going to do. And I took some internships over the summers to do that. But then I realized that that didn't pay. Like that didn't pay at all. Like that was, that was, that was some of the worst income of the friends that I had in school and what they were going to potentially make coming out of college. 
And ironically, as I started to interview for jobs through the business school, because I had a, it was a hybrid degree. It was really called business communication. So it's about a third of your core courses were out of the business school and two thirds were out of the journalism school. Um, but retailers started to interview me and show interest. Um, I had a, I had an offer from Kmart. Um, if you, everyone remembers the blue light special. Um, and then I had an offer from a, a privately owned company called the Mercantile Company, but the Jones Store Company out of Kansas City. And they owned, you know, a few department stores, a few being 40 or 50 throughout the Midwest. Um, and so I started my career in retail sales. So I went into the department store. I managed the cosmetics and the shoe department. They were the commission departments. Um, and I did that for about two or three years until uh, the May Company, so famous bar here in St. Louis, hired me and moved me to help it open two new stores that they were going to be opening here. And then I ended up down in the buying office. So I spent eight years in retail before getting out of that and getting into the software business. I, you know, I can identify with that as I started my career, my sales career in retail. So I want to know like what, what eight years in retail, what did you learn? What did you learn that has kind of impact? This is going to lead to my, to, to one of the questions I'd like to ask all of my sure. guests, which is the philosophy piece. I like to know, about your philosophy on business and sales. And, mm -hmm. and um, I find that philosophy is built through experience, life experience, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I learned some very valuable, valuable ones in the retail uh, world that is just fueled the way that I feel about sales and business to this day. So I wanna know what did you learn those first eight years in retail that um, maybe people in college weren't learning or <laughs> people in traditional, like yeah. corporate B2B sort of um, sales, what'd you learn? Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, the first three or four years when I was in the stores as a manager, um, I was managing people that were my parents' age. So it was very weird. Um, the, the, the departments that I had been tasked with had older um, sales associates in them. So cosmetics and shoes had older sales associates. And so, but I learned that, you know, that again, super competitive, right? So I learned a little bit of the doggy dog. I mean, it wasn't 100% commission, but it was definitely a commission position. And there were only two in the store. Um, and so on the cosmetic side, I learned to sort of let the ladies fight it out. Um, I initially made the mistake of letting them come to me and complain about so-and-so took my sale and that was my customer. And, and I would try to smooth things over. I thought, you know, as a, as a teenager, I, I used to say that women, my friends would call me and I called it cry with Christy and call me about their problems and their boyfriends. And I would try to, you know, solve these problems for them. And I did the same when I got into retail. And then I realized that the only person was, that had the monkey when they left my office was me. And so at some point I like had the epiphany and I woke up and even the men were a little, there was a little bit of, you know, of uh, competitiveness amongst the men that caused some rub against occasionally too. But as people started to then come to me, I said to them, Hey, listen, I'm happy to have this discussion, but not alone. So if you'd like to go get the coworker that you're having an issue with and bring them into my office, I'm happy to sit here and work through it, the three of us. Mm -hmm. And, and that ended a lot of, that ended a lot of people landing in my doorstep. Right. Um, and so, you know, really what I did, try to do in the stores is try to, I would say, mediate conflict or teach people how to deal with conflict. Um, and I think people still suck at that in general. Um, and I think this is a problem that we get into with sales where I say to some people, some sales reps, like you have to give them permission to say no, because maybe is a complete waste of your time. And so helping people open that door um, to conversations that are, you know, uncomfortable, I guess, you know, getting comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. um, as I got into the buying office, oh my gosh, the lessons were endless. Um, negotiation skills became like really sharp. 
Um, I affectionately say when you have to go to New York and, and negotiate with Madi from Mud, and I say, Madi, I need 500 more denim shorts. And he's like, Christy, you know, the boat, what am I going to do? You know, I mean, it takes a while. I'm like, Madi, come on. I know you got some. I know you got some. What is it going to cost, right? So, I mean, those guys were, I mean, you know, negotiating with vendors in New York, you know, once a, you know, once a week, every month uh, to try to get the best deal so that I could put the, you know, so I could put product on my floor that I could give the best deal to was a challenge. Um, for someone who hated math, I loved retail math. Like retail and business math seemed a lot easier for me. But every Monday, for those people who don't even know what balancing your checkbook for real with your check register is like, um, every Monday we had what we did open to buy. And that was literally balancing your checkbook to see if you had any money to spend in New York or if you owed money, so to speak, if you'd marked down more clothes than you had open inventory of. Um, and so every Monday we had to do that and turn it into our boss who turned it into their boss who turned it into the president of famous bar. Um, and so I really sharpened my math skills. I really sharpened my negotiation skills. And the thing that's really interesting about being a buyer is, you know, everybody thinks it's super glamorous. And I said, yeah, like no one sent me to Paris and I wasn't, um, wasn't designing anything for anyone. It was about assortment. It was making sure that I didn't ever run out of a white t-shirt or the cutoff shorts that I need. You know, I was begging Marty for more of. It was identifying trends really early on and doubling down on those. And so it was super analytical. Um, and so I really honed those type of skills that, that really have benefited me today early on in my retail career. You know, in the sales world, um, a lot of our education comes through um, experience, right? Getting out there and doing it and mentorship and, and coaching. And sometimes those are like official mentorship roles. Sometimes it's just someone that's more senior that gives you some some advice that sticks with you um i call that on this um on our platform i call that the unsung hero um, i'd like to give you a moment to share with me uh maybe an experience um with someone that was an unsung hero in your career somebody that made an impact maybe it was something official in the official mentorship role or maybe just you know Somebody that gave you a kind word of advice that just has helped you to be successful. Who, who would you like to shout out? Um, Ronell, Miss Fitzgerald is probably my unsung hero. Um, my very first job out of college at the Jones Store Company in Topeka, Kansas, she was the store manager. And she was just a force to be reckoned with. I mean, like, even I think as a customer, you might have been scared of her. Um, but she super tall and thin and wore her three inch heels and and if you know anything about being on your feet and working a retail job, the last thing you're going to do is wear your three-inch heels at all to work. Um, yeah, I know. I, I worked retail, and those three-inch heels were killing me. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I know. Right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even own any that I would that I would wear to work. Um, but she was, a, you know, she was a little rough around the edges. She was a chain smoker. She'd find her out back uh, with, you know, with the smoking employees any chance she would get. Um, she wasn't college educated. And so I think it was a really, really impactful thing for me to see somebody like her work her way up from sales associate to running the store. Um, and again, very street smart, very practical, a little bit of a truck driver mouth. Um, and so I, I think just, I don't know that it was anything that she said in particular. I think it was just that I had a role model. And, you know, in the early 90s, I saw a very strong and opinionated and outspoken female running a store with a you know, with a company that would, would be part of a fortune 500 company at some point. Um, and I just think that left a lasting impression for me that, that really like, here's somebody who probably didn't have all the advantages that I had and, you know, growing up and look where she landed. And if she can do it, why can't, why couldn't all of us do it?
You know, when I hear that story, what what's resonating with me is the importance of of representation, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. she showed you what was possible, right? Yep. She and you were you're fortunate to in just getting into that whole business world to see someone in a position that um that you looked like, right? Or now, I'm sure, you guys look very differently. She was older, <laughs> but we did look but very different. Could, but, yeah. but you could see yourself in that yes. in her. So, shout out to Miss Fitzgerald. I, that's a fantastic story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Sure. Um, so, I want to ask you. Um, you know, I believe that in our philosophy on business and sales is formed through experiences that we have, right? Um, um, and 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 that. For me, anyway, if you, for those of you that have read the book, if you haven't, what are you doing with your life? Go get the book. Get the book. Um, a lot of what's in the book, in my philosophies, are all built on these experiences that I had. Some of them were good, some of them were bad, but nonetheless impactful. Mm-hmm. I'd love if you could share one of those experiences that you've had in your career that's helped to form formulate your philosophy on sales and, and business. Yeah, I think actually it probably goes back to before career. Um, My parents owned a real estate company. My dad was owner broker and my mom was a commission sales rep. So she was a real estate agent um, at 100% commission. She spent her first 13 years actually as an English teacher and a Spanish teacher. Um, And my dad had started out his career out of college as a mid-level manager for the United Telephone Company, which you might would equate today to AT&T. Um, but at some point when I was in my formative years, they made the deci- my dad made the decision to go into business with his brother who owned a Coldwell banker in Topeka, Kansas. And he moved us from the armpit of Kansas, Russell, um, to Topeka. We'd moved several times. Russell was our fourth stop on the United Telephone Company train. Um, and I affectionately say that my brother and myself, I have a younger brother, that we got our MBA at the kitchen table. Um, my dad had always sort of talked a little bit about work and we were kind of, um, office rats, if you will, like he would, you know, go to work on the weekends and we would go hang out and, you know, play around in the yard at the office. But once my mom got into real estate, like all of our conversations, because real estate is a really rough business, particularly for the real estate agents who go to work when everybody else isn't right. So my mother worked nights and weekends, um, when that began for as long as I can remember, it totally changed the dynamic of our family. My dad is now you know, running us to dentist appointments and softball mm-hmm. practice and um, sometimes showing up for school events that my mother wasn't going to be able to make because of out-of-town buyers or the like. And so from, like really through osmosis, like money was a completely transparent topic in our house. I knew when my dad was and wasn't taking a salary. I knew when my dad wasn't taking a salary to make payroll for his employees. I knew when my dad wasn't making a salary or taking home income to pay my mother's quarterly taxes. I knew what every commission check my mother earned was. Um, and it, it, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm where I am today. And my brother is a top performer um, at a billion dollar privately owned company in the staffing industry as, you know, as a, you know, he's one of been one of the top performers in his region for years. And so my, it's, it's interesting that my brother took my mother's path as an individual contributor. And I took my father's path as leader because um, there were definitely pros and cons to both. Uh, but neither of us would ever change places. Um, and I think I think the things that I saw, real estate's a really cutthroat and kind of um, unforgiving business. Uh, when the real estate market is bad, things are really bad. Um, and it's a super competitive business. And so I think I saw all kinds of things. I think the lessons I learned were, um, you know, I saw all kinds of real estate agents too. Because again, like I did everything from phone duty from three to five after school sometimes. And sometimes I was out there mowing the lawn on the weekends while my dad was doing work inside. So we were really, the business was part of our life. 
But I think what I learned is that they're like people go into real estate, which is a really hard sales job as a hundred percent commission for all different kinds of reasons. Some of them have college degrees. Some of them don't. Um, I learned to not judge a buyer by its cover. Um, you're not, you're my, my dad finally said to me, at, you know, as we were old enough to understand, he's like, people spend their money different ways. Don't judge how they do that. Some people don't care about houses, but care about cars. Some people don't care about um, cars, but care about vacations. Some people mm -hmm. care about clothes. Um, and he said, you know, don't, you know, don't judge a buyer by its, by its cover, I think really stuck to me. And I try to, and I try to take that forward into seeing, seeing different people and saying, listen, everybody has a different choice as to how they spend the income that they bring home. Um, again, I'm here to try to help people bring in as much income as they possibly can so that they can have the life and spend it the way they want. But I think a lot of my philosophy around sales and sales leadership, because I, I you know, my brother and I really li lived it day in and day out this, you know, that my dad got calls all night long as the broker agents were calling him all night long with problems or questions, or how do I handle this? Or what do I do in the contract? And so I also, I think my brother and I, um, have a very strong work ethic. And we like, we never, ever thought, I think jobs were nine to five, seven days a week. That was never what we, what we saw. That was never the life we lived. Um, and so I, I think so much of my childhood and growing up and, you know, I mean, my dad didn't retire till he was 65. My mom, uh, retired about the same time as well. And, but even then, you know, kept their broker's license. And then both of my parents also stepped into leadership um, as in a, I'll call it the give back way. Um, both my parents were the president of the Kansas Association of Realtors and the president of the Topeka Board of Realtors. And then my dad was on several boards in the, in the Kansas City um, real estate community. So I, I think I also saw, I mean, that's like, there's just a little bit of money, but there's a lot more hassle than you get paid for. So, you know, my dad was also on the board of Habitat and some other things. So I also saw my parents, once they reached a certain level, give back, give back to their own industry, give back to the community. And I think that was important. So is that something that you do now as well? So like, tell me how that, those lessons have influenced the way that you do business today. Yeah, I do a couple things. Um, I definitely mentor. So um, I'm a mentor for several early, early stage startups or accelerators here in the St. Louis area. So one through Lindenwood University, um, one uh, Capital Innovators, which is a very early accelerator. Um, so I'm, I mentor for both of those. Um, and then I think uh, this is a Christism. I say I have 30 minutes for everyone. So if somebody reaches out to me and says, can you talk to my friend or can you, you know, so-and-so is looking for a job. I got a resume sent to me by one of my good friends yesterday um, for a woman who is in a, again, a fortune 500 company in HR. And, you know, he's like, I don't know if you can help, but I thought you might be able to. Um, and so I really put myself out there and I really do say I've got 30 minutes for everybody. I said my, because I have a journalism degree, my writing skills are superior to most people. So sometimes it's helping people improve their resumes. Sometimes it's writing the dear John letter for, for a girlfriend to her boyfriend. Um, and editing that. So I do a lot of things, I think, in, the, in a give back way that I think are important. Um, one of the other things I do that I feel really strongly about because we need more, more women in sales um, is I teach junior achievement. I teach it at the seventh grade level and at the third grade level. And I've been doing this for years. Um, this no surprise that I did. I remembered my dad doing it when I grew up. My dad was teaching junior achievement. Um, and every piece, every curriculum at every level, grade level at junior achievement has a money component, a business component to it. And I want them to see a woman. I want them to see a female come in and teach them about business, you know, as a third grader, or as a seventh grader. I think that's important. As do I. And I think that part of that goes back to your initial 
entry into the business world, right? Shout out again to Miss Fitzgerald, right? Like, yep. so now you get to be her and uh, and set that example and show that representation for the next gen. So I think that's fantastic. I love it. Um, so uh, this leads me to to my, my last question. As we get into, you know, again, the concepts of the book, the book is about philosophy and then practical, pragmatic executions, just simple, because um, I believe that sales at its heart isn't that complicated. So I, I would love it if you could share with our audience some simple advice, direction, tip, tactic, whatever you want that they can take from this particular episode and apply to their business and start seeing some some success. Yeah, um, I just finished completing a book. It's not out yet, but it's called Selling Your Way In. And it really is about setting your own income and owning your own life in the way you want. And I spend about the first third of that book talking about knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, and then making that match with the right sales job. Again, I say this day in and day out, and I used to blame hiring managers, right? I'm like, you hired a farmer instead of a hunter. But to some, to some point, I was like, you know what? You have to be self-aware enough to know and apply for the right job, right? And so um, I say sales reps are professional interviewees, buyer beware. Um, and so like, you know, if you're on stage, sometimes you can look like a hunter when you're really not a hunter. Or I say you can have hunter skills, but your passion and your heart really is a farmer. Um, and so, you, you know, I say to people, when people do call me and say, hey, can you talk to my friend? They're thinking about going into sales. I immediately, and it's just to mess with people to run out because I know that they don't have the answer. But I'm like, well, what kind of sales job do they want? And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you think there's just sales jobs, but there's not. There's like 74 different sales jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Everything from, again, retail sales, 100% commission sales, inside sales, outside sales. Customer success is a sales job. You know, sales engineer is a sales job. You know, there are all kinds of sales jobs. And so I think it's my responsibility as somebody who really does and, and really like picked her swim lane um, over time after having had some sales experience in different ways um, and truly understanding that, that, you know, seven years ago, I started my own business after working for other people um, in SaaS and technology and prior to that into retail. And so really knowing that, again, there are jobs with a set income and jobs where you set your own income. And I think part of setting your own income is picking the right job so that you can maximize your income, if that's your goal, and maximize your professional standing within the community, you know, be a leader, be a mentor, but you can't be any of those things if you haven't picked the, you know, if you're struggling all the time, because again, our traits are formed at a very early age. Most people say your traits are formed by 10, um, and I think that's true for me. And so you have to pick the right job that matches the traits that you have. And, and not only that, to bring joy to your life, right? So that you can get up every day loving what you do and, and not being, you know, not being like, oh my gosh, I have to go to work today. And I do think that some of the reasons why people don't want to get out of bed in the morning, particularly in the sales world, is they pick the wrong job. I think that's great advice, especially, um, you know, today where in, in the tech world, we've had such a, you know, it's been a transitional year for a lot of people. A lot of people that have either been downsized or aren't seeing the levels of success that they were seeing during the pandemic. Um, so I think that's terrific advice to really evaluate, hey, what do I, not only what do I really want, but what does, what matches um, my, my desires, my skill sets, my passions, all of those sorts mm -hmm. of things. So mm -hmm. great advice. I appreciate that, Christy. I want to know, I want you to, to tell people where, how do they, they get more of this brilliance? What's the <laughs> best way to get a hold of you and to, to work with you? 
Yeah, perfect. Um, probably LinkedIn is the best way. I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. So um, Christy Jones on LinkedIn. Again, you'll see that I'm a consultant and I work with startup founders. That'll be probably jump right out to you. And I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. So I love connecting with people, getting feedback from them. I love hearing people who've heard the podcast and reach out and tell me that they took one thing away that that maybe they hadn't been thinking about. So um, I sell my website is salesaccelerationgroup.com, but probably the fastest way to find me is LinkedIn. Awesome. I appreciate that. And guys, we'll have uh, information in, this, in the show notes as well, but make sure that you reach out to, to Christy if, if you're a good fit uh, in terms of doing business with her, but you'll definitely be a good fit in terms of receiving some more of this this wisdom and education that she's putting out there to the world. Christy, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be part of the Shut the Hell Up and Sell podcast and Shut the Hell Up and Sell family. I look forward to seeing you soon in St. Louis, maybe. Who knows? Nice. You never know. You never know. Um, I hear you've got some baseball that is played there. I hear that. um, Yeah, well, don't bring it up right now, Ron Allen. The city is the city. The first, the city is not happy with the Cardinals right now. Oh, really? No, no, it's not going well. In fact, we got, they were the first time the, they said earlier this last week, the first time the stadium had heard booze. Oh, Um, so yeah. So Cardinals need to get their act together because we do love our Cardinals, but we also, yeah, we, we expect them to be above 500. Okay, well, um, there you go. Cardinals, you are on notice. You are above 500. All right. Or otherwise, you're going to be on Christie's new podcast, Crying with Christie. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Christie, this has been awesome. Thanks again for your time. And hey, uh, most importantly, thank you to all of you that are listening, that are watching. Um, I hope that we're bringing some value to you. Um, and yeah, if you're enjoying this, please give us five stars, give us five stars, give us a review, let your friends know, um, that's, that's how we grow this thing organically. And this is, this platform is at the end of the day is all about you guys. So I want to make sure that we're providing you value and that we're making real impact. And if we're not, if we're missing the mark, let us know. But if we are hitting the mark, let us know, we got, we got to <laughs> know so we can make sure and serve you the very best that we can. All right, guys. Um, as I say, on every single show, I want you to remember, guys, if you don't remember anything from this show, although there was tons of wisdom bombs and gems drop, if you don't remember anything, though, remember this, shh, say less, sell more. See you next time. Hey guys, it's Ronnell, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Shut the Hell Up and Sell podcast. If you liked it, please rate us five stars on whichever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. And while you're at it, punch that subscribe button. That way you get notified every time we drop a brand new episode. Hey, I'd also appreciate it if you went to our website, shutthehelluponsell.com and became a member. It's absolutely free. And you'll have the opportunity to listen to previous episodes of our podcast, check out some of our free courses, get a copy of the book, and we'll send you sales tips and motivational nuggets from time to time. Lastly, if you'd like to book me for either appearances or speaking engagements, just send an email to my team at team at shutthehelluponsell.com.